Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello and welcome once again to this hour of spiritual direction here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond. Glad to have you here uh, joining us. And growing up, growing up for you, did you ever have your mom or dad tell you that you couldn't go swimming right after you ate? If you'd just finished lunch out on the beach, if you had to, you know, have some sort of meal, but then you, you were right there in front of the water, did you have to wait before you went in? Might be that you had to wait 30 minutes, maybe the, a full hour, but if you ate that meal and jumped into the water, your mom was deathly afraid that you were at some huge risk of drowning. Did you experience this growing up as a child? There's actually no factual basis to this. It's one of those common misconceptions that for some reason became popular, and moms and grandmothers would tell their kids that they had to wait after eating before they could go and swim. Now, if you do eat a big meal and you go out and do some sort of physical activity, naturally, you can find yourself a bit sluggish or uncomfortable. You know, if you went out right after Thanksgiving dinner to try and do some marathon training, you might get a cramp in your side or you might feel you're moving a bit slower than you would at other times. But, you know, swimming is not really any different than any other physical activity. So you don't actually have to wait for any specific length of time after you eat before you can go swimming. It's one of those common misconceptions. Another one of those that I remember being taught when I was young is that your tongue, it has different areas that are able to taste different flavors. Like the tip of your tongue was where you tasted sweet things. And on the sides of your tongue, these taste buds were where you tasted salty flavors. And toward the back of your tongue, that's where you'd pick up those bitter or those sour flavors. And I even remember seeing diagrams of the tongue that mapped those different places where you tasted the different flavors. But again, this isn't accurate. Research has shown that all the different taste sensations come from all areas on your tongue. Now, certain areas might be more sensitive to different flavors, but you can experience all the different tastes in every single area, all regions of your tongue. We have all kinds of things like this where we have a misunderstanding of something, something we think is true or something we think is factual, but we're off maybe a little bit in our understanding. Take coffee, for instance, made from beans. Coffee, in reality, is actually made from ground-up seeds. We just happen to call them beans for whatever reason they got that name attached to them. Or how about this one? You've probably heard the uh, stat, humans only use maybe 10% or 20% of their brain ever. You and I, we actually do use virtually every part of our brains. Neurology has shown this, that we use almost every part of our brain, and those parts are active almost all of the time. One other misconception that is common in Christianity is associated with today. Today is the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. 
Now, before I was Catholic, when I heard that phrase, immaculate conception, the very first time I heard it, I thought, oh, it must be something to do with Jesus. He's fully God. He's fully man. So when Mary was made pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit, well, I mistakenly thought that this was the event that was the Immaculate Conception. But later on, I found out I was wrong. And when I learned what the Immaculate Conception really was, it was a difficult teaching for me to wrap my mind around at first. But then I discovered over the next few years that my misunderstanding of the, the Immaculate Conception, it was very common. Many other Christians, both Catholic and non-Catholic, mistakenly thought it referred to the conception of Jesus, just like I first thought. So today we want to talk about the Immaculate Conception, what it actually is, as well as what it means for us in our spiritual journey. And we're going to spend this hour talking about Mary, our Blessed Mother, and joining us today, helping us look at the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. Father Ramil Fajardo is with us back uh, once again Uh, He's at Holy Name Cathedral in the Chicago area, as well as serving as a judge of the Metropolitan Tribunal. He also serves as director of liturgy and the Cardinal's delegate for the St. James Chapel, both at the Archbishop Quigley Pastoral Center. And earlier this year, Father Fajardo was named the rector of the National Shrine of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. Uh, Father Ramil, I'm so glad to have you back here on the program again today. Good morning, Josh. Thank you very much. I I got tired listening to your uh, listing of all the things I have to do in my life. <laughs> I know. You, <laughs> you <laughs> have, I think, maybe the longest introduction. of You know, most of the priests that are on here, uh, they serve as a parish priest or an associate priest, or maybe they're part of a religious community. And uh, you, you just must say yes to everything that is thrown your way. Oh, sure, I can take that on, too. <laughs> well, people have said yes. You know, uh, I, I try to listen to Our Lady. Do whatever he tells you. Um, and, and I try to learn from that, but at the same time, it's always about service and, uh, you know, we can do all things in Christ, especially if it's uh, part of our, our desire to get, uh, to let our Lord be known. Yeah. You know, I, I remember hearing somebody once say, and I, I have found this to be true, but the person said, you know, uh, God uses busy people and mm. the people who are busy that are out there doing a lot for God, a lot for the kingdom already they're the ones that are more likely to take on more and say, sure, sure, you know, I, I'm already doing this for God, yeah, and that needs to be done, okay, I'll take it on. Uh, just if there's something that you would like to share about how you have come to a better understanding of Mary's intercession for you, and how has Mary helped you to know Jesus better? What role has Mary played in your life, your faith life, uh, as you have grown in your knowledge of, of Christ and again, we're going to be talking with Father Emil Fajardo, but you can call in at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And Father Emil, uh, let's just talk about the Immaculate Conception. What is the Immaculate Conception uh, that, that we celebrate today? The Immaculate Conception is the Church's celebration of Our Lady being given the, the, the splendid role of participating in, in our redemption, and that she was preserved free from original sin in her mother's womb. This was proclaimed by Pope Pius IX as a dogma of the faith, infallibly proclaimed in 1854, and it was a it was a teaching already very well known. Bottom line, Mary has a very special role. It is throughout Scripture. There is no doubt about it. 
but formally proclaimed worthy and to be held as a firm belief by the universal church by pope pius IX, blessed pius IX, and it's it's a wonderful way of emphasizing that our lady participated in a special way in human redemption at at the request of god and at her immediate response well and so one of the other things that i think is worth talking about i mentioned today is a solemnity it's mm-hmm. also a holy day of obligation, and so mm-hmm. uh, l- let's look at both of those. First of all, what is a solemnity in the Catholic Church when we hear that that word? You know, great point. Let's let's unpack this because there are two terms that are being used here. A solemnity is the liturgical expression of the highest celebration possible liturgically. So when it's a solemnity, it means special readings. Uh, required readings, in fact, and you dress up the liturgy as a celebration, a major expression of the church's worship of, of Almighty God. So everything should be done with particular attention, a solemnity. It is solemn. Whereas a holy day of obligation is the, I guess, canonical requirement that this is a day to be obliged upon all of us, a holy day which is to be obliged upon all Catholics to attend divine services. So we're looking at two expressions which unite in the Immaculate Conception, the the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. It's it's a solemn day liturgically, and it's a day that we are obliged to please attend the Holy Sacrifice. So, Right. Well, most other solemnities I can think of, Solemnity of All Saints, um, Mm -hmm. the the Assumption of Mary, uh, a mm-hmm. lot of them get moved to Sundays now, but there are different solemnities. Are there any solemnities that we have in the Church that wouldn't be a holy day of obligation? Well, in the Universal Church, the days are noted what solemnities uh, to be celebrated in the Universal Church. Each of the Episcopal conferences of the countries are to decide which ones are to be observed in those conferences. So in the United States, the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. Patroness of the United States, in fact, something we need to remember. Patroness of the seminary I went to, the University of St. Mary of the Lake, Mundelein Seminary, our patroness. So, Our Lady. And then there is also the Assumption. And there is the Annunciation. And Mary, Mother of God. These are all solemnities. And most have been transferred to Sunday with the uh, with the uh, understanding that if it fa- if the solemnity falls on a saturday or a monday it is transferred to another day so in other words if immaculate conception were to say i think it was last year wasn't it that it fell on a sunday it fell on a saturday or a sunday yeah saturday right. right it was transferred it was transferred the uh, the, the obligation was not required it became a holy day but not of obligation a solemnity and a holy day, but not obligatory. It was moved to a different date. Well, now, so you've mentioned some other things. Let's talk about a couple of other things that you've mentioned. One is you said that Mary, under that title of the Immaculate Conception, she was declared as the patron saint of the United States. So as a country, this is a special day for us. But uh, in looking back, that was done in 19, or I'm sorry, in 1847, that the U.S. bishops declared that. And that was actually before 
the declaration by Pope Pius IX that you referenced, making this mm-hmm. official dogma of the Catholic Church. So again, this seems to be something that, uh, you know, it, it it was already in use, it just hadn't officially been declared from the the highest authority in the Church, from the, the Vicar of Christ. Correct. It was... Uh... The doctrine of papal infallibility itself is simply a statement that what is declared is to be held firmly, definitively, as binding in the Church. And it's it was only declared in the 1800s, but it was always universally understood. Hundreds, millennia, uh, the Immaculate Conception, all these doctrines that were proclaimed were already being celebrated, both in the Eastern Church and in the Western Church different names, but the point was the doctrine was still the same. So in those circumstances, in, the, in those times when infallibility was proclaimed, they, the, the Holy Father said, this is an important moment in the life of the Church that really Our Lady speaks to. And so, yeah, go ahead. Well, it, it, it took so long. Why do you think it took so long for that teaching to be officially recognized by the church. You know, that's one of those things that can be a criticism from non-Catholic Christians. They'll say, well, you invented this dogma. You know, it only showed up a little over 150 years ago, but it never was a part of the teaching of the Catholic Church before that. We can find it in Scripture even. You know, Mary is shown Mm -hmm. in the book of Revelation. She's described as the Ark of the Covenant, this pure vessel that carries um, the 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 different items that are foreshadowings of Christ himself. And so then we have right. the fulfillment of Mary as that living Ark of the Covenant. So we see that in John's vision of heaven. But if this is held from the beginning of the Church, why do you think it took so long for it to be officially recognized as a dogma? I think you had mentioned it, that why why did you make this up? The problem is we never did. It's always been celebrated. If you look at all the liturgical texts, if you look at the calendars and the celebrations of the church for hundreds, thousands of years, the point was it was always there. And it was always held as a truth. So consequently, the Holy See, the, the Holy Father, only has to declare something as an infallible teaching in, a, in an instance where something is being challenged and people are asking questions. And the Holy Fathers would say, we reserve to ourselves the right to declare this and to to just clarify. It is an office and a duty of clarification. It is not in any way, shape, or form making anything up. I hear this, you know, Josh, you're right. People say it all the time. Why, why did the church make this up? It didn't. We've always celebrated it. It's just we've had to say, just to clear everything up, this is what we understand. And we've understood from the very beginning. Well, and so let's talk about, we, we've understood that from the very beginning. but. We're here 2,000 years later. What does Mary being conceived without sin, what does this mean for you, for me, for anybody listening today uh, here in the 21st century? Right. In the uh, texts, uh, in the preface for the Mass of of Our Lady, we talk about prevenient grace and the coming of our Lord in human flesh. And that in order for us, creation to be redeemed, our, our God had to do this himself. He had to take on upon himself all the sins of the world. And so therefore, by asking Our Lady of her own free will, do you wish to participate 
in this redemption, in this salvation of human history? And she said, yes. So when we talk about the Immaculate Conception, when we talk about Our Lady's participation, we're, we're essentially saying that those who are very much in tune and especially in love with the workings of God can sense the mission entrusted to us, requested of, requested of us and entrusted to us, and to be allowed to enter into a very deep relationship, which obviously Our Lady did. Our tradition has always held that Our Lady was able in a very special way to have that communion with God. While she was being, well, she was a human, she was able to understand God in a special way and that we can imitate her in doing so. So by meditating upon the mysteries of the faith, we who have her example can imitate Our Lady. When we talk about her final words in scripture at Cana, do whatever he tells you. She again points straight back to our Lord. Everything is always referencing back to Christ and to the workings of God in her life. So some of my friends like to, you know, point out to me that I use certain terms of art all the time. And one of my things I meditate on is always through him, with him, in him, words from the sacred liturgy. And it is that meeting point that is so important. I like to use that all the time because I like to remind myself that our Lord was, is ourself, our Savior. And we can cooperate in that. And Our Lady points to that. She says, join me in fulfilling our God's request. And that right there, I mean, that as you're talking about that and describing that relationship, it also takes me back to another title that we use for Mary, Mother of the Church. She's mm -hmm, our, our mm -hmm. mother as a church, as a body, as the body of Christ, and she's helping guide us to her son. Right. The, the beauty of Marian doctrine is that nothing is taken away from God. No, nothing is diverted from God but rather enhanced as us poor human beings need. We need someone, one of our own, and especially a woman. Who else but a woman has that tenderness that could understand, you know? I, I, I joke about it all the time. I think us guys, we're just kind of clueless sometimes. You know? But a woman has this natural tendency, this ability to read human beings that is just so unique, which is what gives the church as... Mater Ecclesia, Mother, uh, Mother of the Church, you know, Our Lady and the Church, they know us as human beings. They are the depository of God himself, our Lord. And we beg the Holy Spirit and God our Father together dignifies us, raises us up to that level to which we have been called from the very beginning. Our spiritual director, Father Ramil Fajardo, today on The Inner Life and talking about Mary and her role in our lives, her role in the church, having a better understanding of Mary as well, our Blessed Mother. And you're welcome to join the conversation at 888-914-9149. What has helped you to have a better understanding of Mary's intercession for you? How has Mary helped you to know her son better? And maybe you have a question about Mary. 
about something the Catholic Church teaches regarding our Blessed Mother, you're welcome to call in 888-914-9149, And uh, Father, we'll pick back up on uh, you know that idea that you mentioned about does it does Mary detract anything away from God? I'd like to follow up a little bit more on that coming up next. You're listening to Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond, our Spiritual Director, Father Ramil Fajardo, a priest in the Archdiocese of Chicago, and today talking about our Blessed Mother, Mary, on this, the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. And we mentioned uh, in the last segment, it is a Holy Day of Obligation, so if you have not been to Mass yet this morning, please make sure you carve out some time to attend Mass. Uh, Most parishes will have extra celebrations of the Mass scheduled for later this afternoon or this evening. And so please uh, uh, look that up, make sure that you don't miss that today. And again, talking about Our Lady and our phone number, if you'd like to join the conversation, is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, as we do talk about Mary. And what is the role that Mary has played in your life, helping to uh, guide you to her son, helping to uh, give you a better understanding of her son. And uh, Father Ramil, you know, one of the things that you mentioned is, is there anything that can, uh, you know, by our relationship with Mary, by having her held in such high regard, high esteem in the church, you said that, you know, that doesn't detract, rather it enhances our relationship with God. And one of the things that, you know, again, non-Catholic Christians will make this accusation that Catholics worship Mary, but maybe we can make a distinction here between having, uh, you know, us be devoted to Mary, something that we call veneration, not to be confused with worship, and worship is reserved for God and God alone. Uh, You know, that's something that might be worth talking about here, just for anybody who's listening and saying, oh, Catholics, they're always talking about Mary, and they put her on the same level as God. That's never the case. Right. It's it's actually, Josh, very simple. A person of goodwill can make distinctions, and it's not about polemics. So when people ask a question, and this is a very good question, in fact, very good question, we have to be very careful to distinguish that there are three different kinds of veneration. There is dulia, in Greek, dulia, hyperdulia, and latria. Let's begin with latria. This is true worship. It is adoration given only to God. So it is the highest possible form of devotion and, and worship and adoration. God deserves latria. 
And dulia is honor and recognition. This is the sort of thing when we admire someone, we look upon their image and meditate on the fact that, hey, this is someone who I have a lot of love for and devotion because they did fill in the blank. And in between, as is many times the case, the Blessed Virgin Mary receives hyperdulia. In other words, a lot of honor, a lot of recognition, a lot of love as a woman, as a human being, because she was a very special place in our God's heart and mind and plans. So, dulia, hyperdulia, latria, in ascending steps, both from the earthly and the veneration, honor, recognition we owe to the saints, hyperdulia, which is uh, which is the honor and veneration of a very special kind given to Our Lady, and Latria, which is purely worship, praise, adoration, glorification of God due to Him alone. Uh, Father, let's go to the phones. We've got Margarita, who's listening and joining us from Wisconsin Rapids. Hi, Margarita. Thanks for calling in. You're on the air with Father Ramil. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, uh, Father Ramil and host Josh. Thank you so much for the opportunity again. And, uh, well, I have a comment to make, and at the end I have two questions as well. The comment to make is that, um, well, thanks to my mom and my dad, since uh, I remember probably elementary school, um, we were in Costa Rica, and uh, they have the Basilica of the Angels. Probably Father Ramon um, is, an, is aware of that. And they, people, they go from the entrance of the church up to the atrium and they kneel either for uh showing their uh gratitude for um you know asking for favors or miracles that well maybe the church has not approved but they feel we feel those are miracles in our lives and also here in wisconsin rapids uh we have in st peter and paul church we have the perpetual adoration of the Eucharist, and it's called Marian Center for Peace. In that center, there's a huge image of the Virgin of Guadalupe, and uh, it's a replica, a copy of the, the replica, approved by the priest, where she's, uh, um, um, her image, the, the apparition of that church, so it's a, it's a copy. It's a wonderful feeling, and uh, since I was in elementary school, I remember with my mother in Costa Rica, uh, entering, kneeling from the very starting point of the Basilica up to the end. And I remember asking her, please, Virgin Mary, help me with my test of social studies and science. And she helped me greatly. As time went by, um, my devotion has been... A, immense. Uh, I think that uh, I I have hyperdulia, like the father was mentioning, a lot of love for her in recognition. And uh, all the favors that I have received, you know, with different prayers, because we have a, a group of the Rosary group, and we really have hyperdulia for Virgin Mary. And uh, it's just amazing to see that she's the mother um, my mother is in Costa Rica, and I am here, and I feel like Virgin Mary, as my mother, has been with me all this way, and my different people that I know. Um, it has been a blessing. 
Um, now, the question is this. I have gone to different Bible studies, and different people from different religion beliefs. Unfortunately, sometimes they give their opinions, and I just keep quiet, um, waiting for God to quiet their mouths um, at some point. But I remember this year, there was one person, I don't know what religion believe in, that person said, Virgin Mary is a sinner. I wish I could have the words to say, no, she is not. Because God is going to choose uh, the most important figure to bring his son to this world. And the most pure, the most loving, um, and all the words that are, um, you know, appropriate for our mother. And uh, But I couldn't have the right answer for him. I just, I run short. So, Father, I would like to, to you to expand on this and for me to be able to answer with the right words coming from you when I hear that again. Okay. Thank you, Margarita. That is very, very simple. Honestly, the whole thing is three words. Your answer is three words. The beginning of the Gospel of Luke, hail, forward, sorry, <laughs> hail, full of grace. The words of the archangel, Gabriel, who came from God himself. Hail, full of grace. Four words that put any objection to rest. People have to enter into the dialogue with a profound and deep appreciation of sacred scripture as well as us as human beings to reason this out. So the church has given us sacred scripture, and here we are. We read that God himself sent Gabriel, the archangel Gabriel, to Our Lady, and he said, Hail, full of grace. Who else could be addressed? In those words, from God's mouth to Our Lady, uh, if she were not that special and unique and had God's fullest possible attention. Well, so and, Father, I, I'm going to just play a little bit devil's advocate here with you, because if if uh, I was that person before I became Catholic, mm-hmm. my natural follow-up to this would be, okay, you're talking about full of grace. Yes, you know, sure, there's that, but I can also look at St. Paul's writing in mm-hmm. the his letter to the Romans, the third chapter, verse 23, where St. Paul says, all have sinned and mm-hmm. fall short of the glory of God. So if that says all, he's not making any sort of exception, or he's not leaving room, it seems, for Mary to be conceived without sin. Uh, mm-hmm. How do we reconcile that? Well, that's a very good question, and that is something I personally <laughs> try to, in my own mind, find a way to respond. The Church has always responded that Our Lady was reserved. That has been the constant teaching. And under the circumstances of people using Scripture, we can't cherry-pick what we want to read. Here is St. Paul preaching to other human beings and saying that, we, yeah, we human beings, we've sinned. We've, we've all sinned. But Mary was chosen very specifically. And that's ultimately how we develop this idea that not everything has to be in sacred scripture and says, this is what you're to believe. I mean, after all, where do we, where do we find the word Trinity? We have the, 
we have the understanding at the end of the Gospel of Matthew where he go out into the world and baptize everyone in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. But the word Trinity doesn't show up. So when we have these things, our human faith and our reason puts these together. We look at the context of how St. Paul was preaching. And then we also look at the church's constant understanding from those who were with her and handed on the tradition. And we come to the idea that Mary was reserved. She was preserved from the stain of original sin. Not everything has to literally be handed to us on a plate. That's what, that's what we have to pray about. And that's what we as a church assemble and understand. Now, coming from your perspective, Josh, you tell me, <laughs> how is that kind of an answer? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the other thing that comes to mind, I was thinking of a couple things. One, you know, I made reference to uh, Mary as the Ark of the Covenant. That's probably right. one of the biggest ones for me in the idea right. of Mary being uh, preserved from that stain of original sin, that she mm -hmm. was kept in a special way preserved from that, because the Ark of the Covenant, um, there's this story, and I, for, I forget who it is. It's somebody who's bringing back the Ark of the Covenant after it had been taken from the nation mm -hmm. of Israel. And as it's being brought back, it's on the back of this cart that's being drawn by, I don't know, a donkey or a horse or something. And right. it starts to, to wobble and tip, and the man who's bringing it back on that cart just reaches back to try and steady it and is struck dead the moment he touches the Ark of the he Covenant because right because it's so sacred because it is so holy and pure of a vessel that only the priests are allowed to be the ones to transport it to move it to touch the Ark of the Covenant and so that that idea that the Ark of the Covenant which had those items in it that prefigure Christ the ten words the 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 Decalogue the the Ten Commandments which then are fulfilled in the one word Jesus Christ the um the the budding staff of Aaron that signifies priesthood, the mysterious mm -hmm. bread from heaven, the manna, all of these things that look ahead to Jesus and who carried Jesus there in this special pure vessel, the Ark of the Covenant that we now see fulfilled in Mary. So that that's one of the things that comes to mind. The other thing is there are times where uh, you know if you if you go too literal on Scripture, I think you run into and like you say, you can't just handpick a verse here or there. Right. If you go too literal in some places, you find yourself being defeated in other areas because sure. have has everybody literally sinned? Well, okay, we might be born with the stain of original sin, but I have a little two-year-old boy in my <laughs> family right now, and mm -hmm. does he even have the knowledge of what is right or wrong? Is he right. able to sin? And I would say no. So at least at this stage of his life, has he sinned? Probably not. So the, those are some of my thoughts. Also, too, um, as Margarita was pointing out, look at Our Lady's visit to her cousin Elizabeth. How is it that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And the baby leapt in my womb for joy. So there was already an acknowledgement, a recognition. Hey, there's someone special here. She's bearing the word himself. And she, Elizabeth, had a reaction by just being in the mere presence of this new Ark of the Covenant. And there was the word, and John the Baptist leapt for joy. So there's something special about this woman. Can we explore that? Can we discuss this? Can we articulate what is it that, what, that Elizabeth had to say that? There was something there. Right. So it doesn't take in any way, shape, or form, take away from the understanding of Mary's role 
as in, in salvation history, plus also to exalt the fact that, hey, a human person, a woman, was asked to do something very special. Let's discuss that. Well, and on top of that, there are other people who were immaculately conceived. Adam and Eve were both immaculately mm -hmm. conceived. So we also have, you know, the ability that we can look and say, well, yeah, <laughs> there is that. Our spiritual director today on the program, Father Ramil Fajardo, as we're talking about our Blessed Mother here on this, the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception, and what is the role that Mary has played in your life. Uh, we also want to look ahead coming up next at the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, and that's coming up in four days, and we'll continue our conversation and take more of your phone calls, and again, our number that you can call in, 888-914-914-9888-914-9149. More to come right after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back. I'm Josh Raymond, our Spiritual Director, Father Ramil Fajardo a priest in the Archdiocese of Chicago, today talking about Mary and her role in our lives, especially on this, the, the uh, Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception, also taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And uh, Father, you know, a couple of things that uh, we wanted to touch base on here before we get too far away into the hour and don't have time to do. One is, coming up this Sunday, um, it'll be, I believe, preempted by the fact that it is Sunday, the third Sunday of Advent, but all around the world, and especially here in the Western world, we're going to have a lot of people still celebrating the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And, you know, we talked about Our Lady under the title of Immac the Immaculate Conception being named the Patroness of the United States. Our Lady of Guadalupe under this title, uh, Mary, she was declared by St. John Paul II as the patroness of all the Americas and the star of the new evangelization. So we've got these two really important feasts of Our Lady that come within just a few days of each other that are very special to us here in the U.S. Um, can we talk about Our Lady of Guadalupe for a minute? Uh, what What's the story, first of all? Can you give us a brief uh, explanation of the story? And what's the primary message that Mary gives that we should take away from her apparition there to St. Juan Diego? The beautiful story of uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe, she herself coming to help with her people in Mexico who were having a, a really difficult time with, uh, with the clash of cultures with the uh, prior uh, understanding of religion uh, with the Aztec Empire, Our Lady came and made herself very accessible. And the, the, the very image herself given to us, given to us by Our Lady, the uniqueness of Guadalupe is that she herself gave us her image. And it was to help her beloved people who were who were in that transition of history between the former Aztec Empire and the the uh, European uh, gift of Catholicism, Our Lady said 
to Juan Diego, am I not here? Who am your mother? There, for me, is the key. Am I not here? I who am your mother. So when we celebrate both Immaculate Conception and Our Lady Guadalupe, the importance is this. And it just occurred to me, actually, Josh, that the Sunday is going to be the third Sunday of Advent, Rose. We wear rose-colored oh, vestments. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that that connection. That is great. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a completely Marian weekend. There is no way to escape the fact that these, these days are all, again, linking up through Mary to point to our Lord. Again, nothing is taken away from our Lord. If anything, it's dignifying us as human beings because Our Lady is here with us. Our Lady Guadalupe came to her beloved people of Mexico and she said, am I not here? I who am your mother. So she, here she is on this earth with us. She leaves us a very special, miraculous image, which after how many centuries on, uh, on cactus fiber is still in existence. And what did she do? She points to her son. Nothing is taken away. Nothing is taken away. In fact, if anything, between Immaculate Conception and Our Lady Guadalupe, this is the impetus now for the mission. Go forward. Go forward and bring that good news. And for Our Lady Guadalupe, it's, it began with Juan Diego in Mexico. And look at the wonderful fruits that came from that. People mm. saw in her one who's like us and responded. Well, and there was such a turnaround in that culture, a culture that had been so focused on human sacrifice, and then so many lives all of a sudden became uh, important. There was that dignity, there was that understanding that this is not right, and Mm -hmm. especially now as we have, uh, we're waiting the decision of the Supreme Court on the Dobbs case that was just recently heard. You know, we have our own human sacrifice that has been happening here in our country and praying to Our Lady of Guadalupe right now. uh, Boy, this could be a perfect moment for her to intercede and just uh, give wisdom to the justices as they Mm -hmm. come together and they declare their verdict. Right. And I think everybody should be praying in a very intense way with all the things that are lining up. If we all enter deeply into prayer through Our Lady, Mother, Woman, if we focus on this and just say, and just we pray with her and to her, to God, that together we are united in this one thing, that our dignity as daughters and sons of God will be upheld, especially in the most vulnerable, those who have no ability to speak for themselves. So for a lot of us, we're, we're all kind of you know trapped in different places where we, we don't have much of a say, but we have the most powerful. We have the most powerful of weapons, and that's prayer. And we got Our Lady there advocating for us. Father, let's go back to the phones. We've got Haley, who's listening to us, waiting very patiently in Cookville, Tennessee. Hi, Haley. Thanks for calling in today. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Just um, in response to the verse from Romans that you guys were speaking about a little while ago, I think mm-hmm. there's, two liter- there's two ways that you can take the word all— it's either mm-hmm. literal or it's hyperbolic, right? And right. if it's literal, then that means that Jesus sinned as well, because isn't he a human as much? He is, of course, fully divine, but he's also fully human. So if we can't take the literalistic definition, then we can safely say it's a hyperbolic use of the word all. So I've heard that as a response to that that verse. I- 
I actually have to run because I'm about to go to mass and I'm standing outside church. Good for you. um, (laughs) But I will say that as a, as a woman who's come back to the church in my thirties and, you know, become a mother, um, the emphasis that the church places on her and, and her role in God's salvation to me is completely contradicts the narrative that the Catholic church is anti-feminine or um, doesn't place women uh, in a, in roles of importance or things like that. Um, And for me as a woman, I feel completely seen when the church speaks about its reverence for Mary and about how God specifically chose her as the female, I guess you might call representative um, to cooperate with his plan of salvation. You know, he, Jesus cooperated with his plan of salvation as God and as the main, as as the, the main actor, but God also chose a female representative to cooperate with his plan of salvation as well. And, um, it, it just makes perfect sense to me the more that I've studied it. And uh, so two books that I've read that have been really wonderful for people are uh, The World's First Love by Fulton Sheen, which is, oh, it just makes you cry, those first couple of chapters if you're a mother. Um, and then uh, Hail Holy Queen by Scott Hahn, who comes at it from having been a Protestant and um, his journey into... Uh, reverencing our Holy Mother. So that's all I got time for, but I will listen to your response later. Thank you. Thank you, Haley. Excellent, excellent comment. You know, uh, the, I, I still learn things every single day, and that's that's what's a wonderful reminder in, in scriptural exegesis. Paul, our Lord himself, in his parables, were using strong language. We call it hyperbole. They were, they were being, ex, they were being, being intentionally very expansive, all, you know, and, and our Lord in the Gospels, you know, if your eye sins, pluck it out. Uh, you know, if your hand sins, cut it off. It's strong language. We can't just cherry pick and impose our interpretation and emotion in the moment. So, Haley, excellent, excellent reminder to me, you know, keep the text in mind and the, the situation and the audience. Excellent point. Haley, thanks so much for calling in. And Father, down to just a minute and a half or so here. But one other thing might be good to talk about. This is the final day of the year of St. Joseph that was uh, declared by Pope Francis a year ago. Absolutely. St. Joseph, our Father and Lord, is now entrusting to us Our Lady and her Son. And so we have been focusing on the various virtues, the strengths, the gifts of St. Joseph. And now he entrusts us with Our Lady and her Son, and we join, like you said, Our Lady of Guadalupe in that new evangelization. We have to bring our Lord out into the world to place him at the summit of all our human activities and to make sure that through our lives, people will know, hey, this person knows what it means to be a disciple. This person and their joyfulness, their strength, and really their, I guess, normalness really infuses this world with the presence, the grace of God himself. And that's, I think, ultimately the gift of St. Joseph. He entrusts us. And kind of in the way that we've been talking about Mary, she helps us to get to know Jesus better. Joseph allows us to get to know both Jesus and Mary better. Absolutely. One of the great things I use with uh, some of our classes, our RCIA class, I said, 
what does Joseph say in the in the scriptures? And everyone starts looking through their, their Bibles and says, nothing, he didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was quiet. Bring that to your spiritual life. Bring it to your prayer life. Do we talk at God? Do we speak with God? Or do we sometimes need to listen? Our spiritual director for the hour has been Father Ramil Fajardo. And Father, down to about uh, maybe 40 seconds here, can I ask you to offer all of our listeners a final blessing as we conclude the hour? In the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Almighty God, through your beloved patriarch, St. Joseph, who entrusts to us his Son and Our Lady, grant that we might always know and love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Emil, for being with us here during this hour, talking about our Blessed Mother. And of course, want to encourage you to stay tuned because we have Mass that is coming up next. And again, if you haven't made it to Mass, please make that uh, extra effort today. It is a holy day of obligation, being the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. And of course, if you missed any portion of our program earlier in the hour, you can go back and catch the entire thing on our podcast at RelevantRadio.com and on the Relevant Radio app. Tomorrow, we'll talk about our baptismal calling here on The Inner Life. We'll talk with you then. When I was really deep in the throes of trying to figure out whether I could take the leap and come into the Catholic Church, it was this period where I was driving around in the afternoons at this very particular time, and I would flip on the radio, and I would hear this guy on the radio praying these things that sounded like praying a rosary, but I wasn't exactly sure what it was. And it was Drew Mariani praying the (laughs) Chaplet of Divine Mercy. It was all a part of the stirring of my heart. The Divine Mercy Chaplet, 3 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio.